0: The following episode contains conversations that might not be suitable for all audiences. In this episode, we cover topics that might trigger an emotional response. Your well being is important to us. So, if topics like abuse, domestic violence, sexual assault, emotional abuse are triggering to you, this might not be the episode for you to listen to. And that's all right. It is vital that we together normalize asking for help. If you're thinking about suicide, or worried about a friend or a loved one, or would like the emotional support, the Crisis Hotline is available 24-7 all across the United States, 1-800-273-8255. Again, if you need the help or someone to talk to, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is available 24-7. If you are a victim of domestic violence or if you are in a situation where you do not feel safe, help is available. You can speak with somebody today, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, available 24-7, 1-800-799-72 read three or text start to eight eight seven eight eight
1: why are you here i'm looking for a great
2: warrior
0: so what kind of warrior have you been the way of the
2: warrior You needed a warrior's mind
0: clearly this was all planned by warriors of warriors now is the time
1: hi this is jennifer tidwell and you're listening to the warrior of impact podcast i am a warrior of mental, physical, and spiritual traumatic abuse, here to help you recover and heal the right way.
0: All right, and you are listening to the Warrior of Impact podcast. This is Michael, as always, with Shannon, and we are continuing our conversation through the world of mental health. It is May. It is Mental Health Awareness Month. And today's guest is somebody that's taking it from a different perspective. Uh, We have all dealt with traumas in our life. Last week, we talked about the seven stresses of our lives that we all go through. And these are points in our lives where trauma is going to be inevitable. And how we process and how we deal with that trauma is just as important as what's on the other side of that healing. So it is my pleasure to introduce our trauma coach specialist, our good friend. If you would, please just give us a little bit of introduction. Let us know about you. Uh, Give us your 10,000 foot scope and uh, talk to us a little bit about who you are and what brought you to the world of uh, trauma coaching and, you know, kind of your, your story.
1: So I am Jennifer Tidwell, owner and founder of Jennifer Tidwell's Healing Ministries, where I help women who have been through traumatic abuse Heal mentally, physically, and spiritually, because all three are connected. If you try to tackle one, you've got to tackle the other two, or else you're not going to be completely healed. I came into this um, about two years ago when I, actually three years ago, I began my own healing journey from my own trauma, and I started coaching two years ago as a result. My trauma goes all the way back to when I was two years old. I was uh, sexually molested by my paternal grandparents, me and my brother. He was 14 months younger than me. And that led us into a spiral of traumatic behaviors that were programmed into our minds. And it led us to believe lies about ourselves, about our world, about people. And I didn't fully wake up to it until about three years ago. And I'm currently 41 years old. I have two sons. One is 23 in the Marine Corps. Well, actually, he's discharged now, just recently. I'm trying to get used to saying that. <laughs> and uh, and then my youngest son is eight. His name is also Michael. So uh, love the name. Very powerful, strong name. And so my trauma lasted 38 years. I had 38 years of mental programming that was on autopilot that was mastering me. And I had no idea when I woke up to it. It was as a result of another traumatic relationship that I was in for 15 years. And I really um, sought God on it. And I'm a spiritual person. He led me to avenues of coaches and therapists and counselors and techniques, taught me a bunch of stuff that now I bring to the table to help other women heal from theirs and it's my mission and passion to just help break women free from it break us free from the lies that we've believed and the behaviors that are attached to it and so many people don't even realize that they're they're trapped in their own trauma so that's a little bit about me and my background
0: yeah
1: got any questions yet yeah oh absolutely
0: yeah so uh You know, obviously, you know, I am a big believer of, like, you know, respecting boundaries and uh, balancing that with the importance of sharing our story, uh, because I think it's important. Um, As, you know, a victim of sexual abuse, kind of walk us through, like, your, your childhood, like, You know, upbringing and the experiences that, you know, kind of were around that. And and like, I think that the the key here is um, recognizing it's just so crazy because we were just talking about this uh, with our other guest uh, for last week is going from a state of victimhood and recognizing that you're a victim. To To starting the healing process. And I do not think that that's something that's possible as a child. Not, not in a true sense because we are being told the story. You know, it's not even a matter of the lies that we tell ourselves. It's the lies that are being told to us. And so it is, uh, you know, we don't even have that neuroplastic understanding of how our chemical makeup is done yet. We're not, you know, cognitively developed. So it really is uh, somebody else creating that foundation for you. So just kind of walk us through... Uh, And I know that this is, you know, like, again, this could get very emotional. This could get very, you know, graphic and, and, you know, and hard. But um, I think it's important for people to share. So share what you're comfortable with sharing, because I think it's uh, it's your story and and you have every right to. Sure.
1: Sure. And I don't mind sharing it. Um, I firmly believe that the enemy doesn't want us to talk about our trauma, because if we talk about our trauma and how we got through it then we're helping other people get free and that's not his agenda. He wants to keep people trapped. So when I was two, my, my mother and father divorced and I had visitations every other weekend with my grandparents over there. And let well, me, and my brother, my brother is now passed away. He, he took his life as a result of his trauma. He drowned it out with alcohol and he took his life December 3rd, 2020. So as we were growing up as kids um it started for me when i was two and it lasted until about six years old that's when everything came to light now from two to age six i don't have much conscious memory however the subconscious and the body and the muscles do have the memory and my brother i think his started when he was probably yeah he had to have been two when for him as well. So they, they waited till he was a little bit older. And I believe he actually did have some conscious memory. And he would never talk about it, but he suffered from night tremors, PTSD, um, depression, a bunch of other things um, as a result. And although I do remember, like when it came to light, that I reached out to my mom's friend and told her what was happening. And and then my aunt found out and then my mom, and then it went to the law and we went into counseling. And I remember drawing a picture of a bear attacking my chest with a knife and a fork. And this um, this was in West Virginia. My grandparents were, were religious leaders. I'm going to put it to you that way. <laughs> um, and they would, now the stories, like you said, the stories that have been told to us, this is their stories that t- were told to me later in life as I was putting the puzzle together. And mm-hmm. I even met up uh, in 2010, I reconnected with my dad and found out I had other siblings. So I reconnected with my older sibling and she told me some horrific stories as well. So as I'm piecing all this together and getting to know my siblings, uh, I still don't have anything to do with my father. I learned that they would, after they would abuse us, they would give us drugs to knock us out, their prescription drugs, whatever it was. I assumed Valium. Cause they were older generation and had health issues and whatever else was going on, but they would put us outside when they were done. Me and my brother, they would put us outside naked. Um, and they had an outhouse. There was no bathroom inside the house cause this was in the eighties, um, in the hills of West Virginia in the holler. <laughs> and, uh, then they did this, I guess, any time of the year. So it didn't matter if it was, you know, summer, winter, fall. Um, we were outside naked, keeping each other warm. And I've often, there was a couple of times in my adult life that I wanted to go seek the court records because this did go to court in West Virginia and it was all over the news. It was a big case because my grandparents were well-known and there was a jury and it was a hung jury by one. So they were set free. And I believe after talking to my older sister, that that one juror knew my grandparents had connections and was probably paid off. So this is stuff you hear about and you see in the movies, <laughs> but it actually happens in real life. And it could be happening to somebody right now who's listening to this. We all have some form of trauma that shapes us. And it there's always something that goes right back to childhood. It's the core program that projects you into this life what you believe, what you think, how you feel. And after reconnecting with my dad and my siblings, I I came to forgive them for they did not know what they were doing. And I've released them and they are passed away now. I've gained peace with it. And through my other experiences, when you experience one trauma, it, you're going to follow with other traumas. The other traumas that followed were, uh, domestic violence, um, alcoholism, uh, prescription drug abuse, teen pregnancy. I mentioned I had a 23 year old. I was 17 when I got pregnant with him and his dad left when I was six months pregnant. And it all led up to my first marriage was abusive. It lasted six months. I told him if he ever laid his hands on me, I'd be gone. And He did. He didn't believe me. And I left. And he even threatened to kill me. So I left that one. And then I totally uprooted and left where I'm at now. I needed to be replanted somewhere else in order to have a different life, have a different experience, draw closer to God. And I did that. However, I got tied up into another marriage that was toxic. And I didn't know it until three years ago. I woke up from it.
2: That's A to Z pretty
1: much in a summary.
2: (laughs) What I've learned is when you, when you experience a trauma, you'll continue to find ways to put yourself in other traumatic situations until you start to heal from that original trauma. And uh, last week with Julie, we talked about uh, domestic violence and we talked about how when you get in that situation, sometimes you know, sometimes you don't and how hard it is to get out of that.
1: Mm -hmm. It is, it's very hard because when you are a victim of traumatic abuse of any kind, fear rules you. And that is what is keeping you stuck. For me, fear kept me in both marriages. Fear of losing something. But what was I really losing? I was losing myself. And like I said, my first marriage, uh, he threw me on the bed, pinned me down, threatened to kill me if I didn't shut up. And it took two days For me to leave, I had to wait for that safe moment, and it took courage. It took bravery. No matter how scared I was, it took me sacrificing my house, all my personal belongings, and the money, which we were poor back then anyway. And I didn't care. When I left, that's on that second day, he was sound asleep in the morning. I grabbed Zachary and only Zachary's things. His bottles, food, clothes, a few diapers, uh, whatever I could fit in one bag quick enough to get out because I knew that I had family that would help me. And at that time, I was ostracized from my family because of him. But I knew no matter what that they would take me back.
2: We talked about that also about how a lot of times when you're in an abusive relationship, you become isolated And so Mm -hmm. you forget that you have people in your life who will help you because you're so isolated from them. Well, and it's more than just
1: forgetting. You do know you have people. It's at that point, the story that you've been told has made you believe that they're not going to help you. Because that's the way it was. And, and that was the actions from my family. I mean, the constant, if you continue to stay with him, then we're not going to help you out, which was not true. But that added to the story that my ex-husband was telling me. Yeah, they're right. not going to help you out. They already said they're not going to help you out. So you tend to believe that. The brain believes everything it thinks, positive and negative. And the more the brain hears it, the more it is wired to become a permanent implantation into the subconscious. Mm. Talking about neuroplasticity. The brain is always renewing itself. And so many people do not know that. We have the power. We have the power to change our minds and our brains to become better than what it was
2: just by a single thought.
0: I think it's the We it talk about the,
2: that too about reframing your mindset and mm-hmm. reteaching yourself um reteaching yourself to have a different mindset which will help you change your life. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, and
1: so many people will tell you too that you know it's it's you know you can't say the I am statements or I don't believe this if I say this and at first no. No. But the more you do it the more you're going to believe it. Yeah. And I think that we,
0: we get when, when we uh, don't have a choice in the matter as like when we're kids, when we are Mm -hmm. um, stuck in this mindset of sacrifice over like sanctity of self, because I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's something that we don't talk about too is like, There's a lot of superficial things that we put over ourselves in process of value because when you are in abusive relationships, when you are in these uh, demeaning situations where your value is put below so many other things, things like the value of your home and your belongings and losing those things become more important than your own well-being and nobody talks about that right Like we don't talk about like right. I stayed right. because I didn't want to lose my home. I stayed because mm-hmm. you know the the thought of having to uproot like I I, I would <laughs> rather it be done to me than my my kids or this or that so I'll just deal with it and, and I don't think we bring light to that enough you know because Mm-mm. in hindsight now we know those to be superficial reasons but in the moment, like you're just trying to survive. You're just trying exactly. to, to to breathe, and and whatever your justification, you have every freaking right to have that as your justification in the moment. And and anybody that doesn't get that, like, um, I, I just wish for them to have that understanding and compassion because nobody chooses to be a victim of abuse of any sort. Nobody chooses to, to be, you know, the, the rug that other people walk over, right? It doesn't, right. It, it's not like you wake up and you're like, hey, today I'm going to decide to start this relationship for the next, you know, 20 years of my life. And, you know, whatever, I'm good. You know, nobody does that. And and I think that that is the, the idiotic thing that I hear when people try to like victim blame or they try to like downplay the fact that like, you know, look, something shitty happened to somebody. Can we just acknowledge the fact that, like, for for mm-hmm. a moment, let's have some compassion to the fact that this is a person who's dealt with a tragedy the likes of which is is a nightmare for most people to even consider. Let's start mm-hmm. there.
2: Uh, like we talked about last week, it doesn't happen the first day. When you're in an emotional or when you're in an abusive relationship, it doesn't, it's not the very first time. Nobody would stay the very first time. You know, you have to, you have to build into that abusive relationship and it starts so subtly. Like I said, last week, it just, before you know it, you're in this situation and If you have been in a situation where you had no power as a child and you've been in in and you've witnessed or you've been in abusive households, it's normal for you. You don't you don't know any different. You think that that's the normal way that life is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so it can be even harder to to tell yourself that this is a situation you need to get out of. And we don't talk enough about women or men because men can also be in abusive relationships. Let's, we shouldn't Mm -hmm. forget that. Um, When you have children, it's easier for you to say, I'm going to give up my place to live. I'm going to give up all my things and walk out. It's really hard to do that when you have children, because Mm -hmm. things that you will put yourself through, you will not put your children through. I can sleep in a car. My children cannot, you know? And so it becomes really difficult especially when you're in a position where you either make less money or you make no money to get out of that. Because when you have no money, how do you take care of your kids? And so you feel forced to stay in those situations. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're, you're, you guys are so
1: right on. Um, growing up in it as a kid, the kids do not have a choice. And the brain for women matures at the age of 21. The brain for men matures at the age of 25. I think you're giving so too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, we don't really wake up from those programs from others until mid-20s or later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so up until, I'm just going to cap it at 25, we're all robots, pretty much, trained by somebody else's beliefs. By somebody else's thoughts somebody somebody else's uh, behavior patterns um, somebody else's experiences because it's the experiences that shape the beliefs Absolutely. and form the the thoughts uh, that are attached to it three years ago when I woke up to it very first book that I read was called psychocybernetics it was written by a plastic surgeon and he said he would have Clients come in all the time, wanting to fix something on their face. Some were legit, some were not, and the reason those that were not was because they had inner work that needed to be done with their self-image. He would fix it anyway. They would come back; they're still not pleased. And this is when, after doing this for so long, he finally went into learn the psychology behind it. And he talked about the self image and the self worth and the self value of these clients. And then he started telling them, you're not going to be happy with what I do to you because you've got a deeper inner issue with how you feel about yourself that came from somewhere. Um, And until we as adults acknowledge that what happened to us, no, it was not right. However, it taught us something about ourselves that we need to face so that we can grow in a new direction. We have the power of ourselves, our minds, our bodies, and our spirits to make those changes. The, the cliche is you want to change your life, change your thoughts. And that's true but so many people don't believe it because of the, it's like you said, this is a norm for people. Yeah. The behaviors we all grow up with is a normality.
0: Right. We only, but know, you see, we only know what's sorry. our life. Our reality is based upon our experiences. So if this is mm-hmm. the situation that you're in, and I think that's probably one of like the sad, you know, I mean, there's sadness and and that's not, I'm not saying that, Mm-hmm. this this is not a place of pity this is not a place of downplaying it's like but there's a sadness that we have to recognize about that right that
1: mm-hmm.
0: you like many other uh childhood victims and I have a soft spot for uh, any child that goes through anything other than the security of the life that they should be granted that's why I sit on safe child NC you know uh, parent advisory mm-hmm. council there's there's certain things that we need to make sure and, and protecting our children and if they're not being protected by their parents then there are people that need to to make sure that we are doing that um because that's the reality and that's all they know and it does set up right. that foundation i think that that's hard for people to wrap their head around but that's their reality that's all they know that is their normal yeah they're being bred you know and we talk you know uh, that that is a prime you know part of uh of, of the victim state it's like when an adult is doing something to a kid, they're, they're grooming them. They're breed, you know, it's that breeding mentality of cultivating mm-hmm. that, that life for them. And, and they don't care about the outcome. They don't care about what it's like 38 years later for them. Right. It's, it's their initial satisfaction for whatever, you know, uh, whatever the perversion is that leads them that way, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious when you're going through this uh, as a child and, and to your to the memory, I know that there's probably a lot of dissociation and things that were probably blocked out, you know, from your consciousness. But obviously this happened in the 80s. Now, you know, in, uh, you know, in the the late 2020s, we are uh, equipped at a elementary school level at a pedi- uh, pediatrician level for them to really be keened in on looking for these markers and these telltale signs of abuse in the 80s. Like that was, the, you know, we we. You go sit in the back seat of a station wagon. You don't need a seatbelt. You know, you went mm-hmm. to the backyard to grab the switch for you to get your tail whooped. That was kind of like the thing. And so like, yep. I think as we've kind of grown up and our culture has really gotten more aware of these things that are happening behind closed doors, do you remember um, there ever being a time where there was people from the outside and maybe the the narrative switched or the stories that you were told to tell or anything like that?
1: I don't actually, like you said, they're because of the drugs and being asleep. So when you're, when you're asleep and something's happening to you while you're asleep, like going in for surgery, Mm -hmm. you have no conscious memory. Mm -hmm. It's not there consciously, Mm -hmm. but it's there subconsciously. So when you start acting out in certain ways, you start to question, why am I acting out like this? What is tied to this? Like you said, keyword earlier, foundation. What is the foundation and the root of this behavior that I keep doing? Um, About the only thing that I can remember consciously is going into the kitchen of their house one day to steal a cookie. (laughs) I wanted a cookie. (laughs) and. I was caught. I don't remember who caught me, but I remember feeling extreme dread and fear. And I don't remember anything after that. So that's about the only conscious memory that I have, but other than, well, there's there's one other. My grandpa had a truck, and he would drive us to um, a store, kind of far away. Actually, it seemed far away. I was a kid. Um, now it's probably ten minutes down the road. Um, but, and I remember we would go to this store for candy, and he insisted that I sit on his lap. But I don't remember anything happening. I just remember one time sitting on his lap and I don't think anything happened, but in his mind, something probably was forming right. in his thoughts. So, I mean, we're driving anybody could see, but like you said, these, these were the normal stuff that happened back in the eighties or, or even further stuff that didn't, you don't talk about it. Like you said, there's so much that we, we, the society is normalized and says, okay, we don't talk about it enough. And people now, we've all gone through a collective trauma right now. Look at the where the world is right now. This has been in for the last two years. And because people are angry, they're not being heard. They're not being justified. They're, um, some are not getting their way, um, like a little toddler. It's. I mean, we're we're all acting out of our feelings of anger, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, um, and it's time to come back to the opposite of those. We need to start loving people more, and and one way of loving people more is listening.
2: Um, and. and- Unfortunately, because of this pandemic, and um, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, I, I believe in the, you know, social distancing, quarantining, but unfortunately, that has isolated a lot of people in these, these things that we're talking about, abuse, whether it's emotional, physical, sexual, they've kind of gone under the rug. Um, I heard the other day that suicide rates are through the roof because Mm -hmm. we've been isolated. People haven't been able to get the mental health um, services that they need. Uh, I know my therapist still is not open. It's still virtual, Um, Mm -hmm. still not going in and sitting down in person. So it's been difficult. And like Mike said, uh, you know, now, Teachers, doctors, all these people have been taught to look for these signs. But for the last, you know, two to three years, we haven't been seeing those people regularly. So no. these these traumas have been allowed now to stretch out because of the isolation from being quarantined. Right. Well, and, and
1: that's that's one one of the big purposes behind this thing, um, given the whole six foot rule. The enemy wants us divided. He doesn't want us to get close to each other. We need each other. We're here to help one another, to love one another, to be friends, to build each other up. And we can't do that if we're far apart. So yeah, and even in in the midst of the pandemic, more and more domestic violent households have increased. There's been more murders. As a result, because those those moms or dads or women or men, they weren't able to leave. Yeah. I mean, I can see I can see some who were right there on the edge getting ready to walk out the door like I did. And then all of a sudden said, nope. And it pulled them back in and they're probably still stuck in it or
2: they're they're not here anymore. Right. And that's because a lot of those services were discontinued. A lot of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, domestic violence shelters, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. just weren't accessible.
0: Yeah. I mean, you think right. about I, I mean, this is like a secondary thing that I don't think people would think of. So we are uh, we actually um, I remember the beginning of the pandemic. We started working with a family law firm um, as a marketing client. And we really started seeing how much they were their hands were tied, the court closed. So now these separations and these divorces <clears throat> that were supposed to be going through were put on pause. I was going through stuff with custody that went on for three years longer because of the pandemic than it needed to. Okay. Um, so, so now the separation that was supposed to happen is is been put on pause. Then we have this housing surge, this housing market corruption that now makes it impossible for you to leave and go find your own place. And, and then there's mm-hmm. all these just things that are going on left and right that we don't think about that have affected everything that's going on. And our day-to-day livelihood is just uh, – You know, I think what we really need more than anything is instead of a culture and cultivating division, is we really need to start cultivating healing. And I think the Mm -hmm. only way we do that is is by starting to listen to each other, like you were saying. You know, it's like we've all got our stories, we've all got our walks of life. Rather than using that as a point of division or a point of conflict, let's try to learn from each other and recognize that no one of us have all the answers and it's always gonna be an opinion until it's a fact. And most of us are not seeking fact. We're seeking some emotional sort of like um, permission, Comfort. or you know, we we want we want to just we want emotional validation. I want validation yeah. for feeling the way I feel, and and, and that's it. Um, and so I think that a lot of that really stems from just this place of you know we're so like it's just a lot of misdirection of emotions and, and you know where to put it. Um, right. So hard. And emotions
1: are. Emotions are are hard to deal with too for everybody, especially when you have a plethora of them at one time Um, as a result of being in an active, present abusive situation. Like like myself, when I was leaving my first husband, I had all kinds of emotions exploding in my brain. But I made that step anyway. I made a different choice. And I chose a different thought. Now, back then, in the midst of it, I didn't. I was just reacting. Yeah, right. I didn't. I was not exactly. And and we all have that. And that's another thing: the primal fight or flight with the amygdala. We've had so much happen in our world that even our amygdala believes that some of the things that we we want to fight from or flee from aren't even worth fighting and fleeing from. Like, I'm afraid to step outside of my house and sit on the step because um, there's spiders all around. I mean, I'm not dissing, you know, any kind of phobias, but we can kill a spider. But that's something that, is that a life-threatening? This is my whole point here is it a life threatening fear where you're fight or flight the life threatening fear fight or flight should be i have a bear running after me to attack me i'm not going to stand there and let it i'm going to run that is a legitimate fear okay um other fears especially for women or men in abusive situations um trying to think of one that that I had.
2: I know a big one is money.
1: Well, yeah, money is a big one. It really is. Um, Because that, yeah, that was for me, even in both situations. Well, my first marriage, I was the the breadwinner until I lost my job and then my car was repossessed. And we actually were homeless for one week. And then we stayed with his grandparents. Um, And got ourselves picked back up. We got a trailer and it was in the trailer when that incident happened. And then I left. And so, finances, yeah, be afraid of how am I going to survive financially? There are resources out there. Some take time. Yes. Some take you got to prove this and that, but they're there. And if you don't act now, then it's not going to happen when you need it. Like some places have waiting lists. If you want to, if you need a house and in, in like the Section Eight, if you need a house, go get on that waiting list now. Don't wait one week, two weeks, two months, three months. If that's what you really need to do, do it now. Act now for your own protection, your children's protection. Um, Another fear would be um, afraid to, here's one that's not really legit, okay? But like afraid to clean the house the wrong way. What kind of repercussion would that bring? It would bring a very loud argument, an abusive argument, where the kids are witnessing it. And it would break me down of feeling not worthy enough. And I was afraid to do the dishes the wrong way. But the truth of the matter was, I was never going to do it right his way anyway. Right. And I always try to point that out. Um, The dishes are getting done, aren't they? Yeah. Or if I'm cooking, coming to supervise and inspector, Cooking. I finally started standing up. I, I, I got some, I'm a warrior, y'all. <laughs> and I will fight back. <laughs> and um as I looked at I would look at him several times. So like, you want to cook this? You got to stand up for yourself. You got to get that backbone, that that, mm, that grit, that sick and tired of being sick and tired attitude. You got to know your worth and that's hard for a lot of people. And that's, that's where it started for me. When I picked up that book, psycho I started learning my self-image. My second book was about neuroplasticity and how I could change my mind. And those two books propelled me into my further studies to where I am today.
0: And I think it's really hard to get to a place of knowing your value when you have somebody at times screaming in your face, how little value you actually have. And I think that's like one of the hardest parts about all of this, right? It's like, we understand, you know, from the world of coaching, from the, uh, from the world of personal development and transformation, that it's, it's the process that needs to get done. Um, but it's all Easier said than done when mm-hmm. you are living in a situation that is <clears throat> providing you with nothing but the exact opposite, and and really digging the hole deeper and deeper. And it's you know it's not only the lies that you're telling yourself; it's the narrative that somebody else is taking it upon themselves to write for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I guess- And then, like I said in the very beginning, what we hear the most, our brain believes.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious. Uh, so a big part of uh, what you do, obviously you approach this from a ministry standpoint. And so spirituality is something that's really important to you. Um, Did you have any struggles with spirituality because of your, uh, grandparents being in the church and, you know, representing their actions from a place of spirituality. Like, did you have any struggles with that, um, along the way, um, to now using and finding spirituality as your foundation?
1: Yes. I will say from the very beginning, um, I- I think I was born questioning what is true. And I was born observing human behavior. So the mind and the behaviors always fascinated me. Um, Now, my paternal grandparents um, were a certain religion. And I'm not going to name religions.
0: Yeah, don't need.
1: But that was viewed upon as very bad so we never attended there i grew up in a different religion that i I no longer follow i didn't like it i didn't feel like i was taught enough about the bible and taught enough about a relationship with jesus it was more traditions rules um and knowing what I know about the Bible now, Jesus did not come for religion. He came for relationship. But after that, let's see, and I was probably in my teen years when I, we just stopped doing church altogether. And um, but when I was adult, that probably about 19, I started going to a different church, different religion. And I was baptized under this religion by my own choice. And even that was um, initially viewed as by, by my family um, as the wrong thing to do with this spe- specific religion, because there was a false belief that this religion was tied to the religion of my grandparents, which it wasn't. So I had to help my family understand and be comfortable. And I stopped going. I went there for years and then I um, moved and started going to another different type of religion. Um, I, like I said, I always searched for the truth. So, and I'm a very open person. I, I view both sides of the stories. It takes two, not one for anything to happen. So that I've, I've always been about justice, um, peace, um, loving others. And I found a church that was all of this and really taught the relationship aspect and put it down to the human level in realism. It was genuine, it was authentic. And I stayed there for many years. Um, until I, I moved, I moved away from Raleigh, uh, September, 2020. And so after that, I started doing online church because of COVID. And, um, this one that I attend now, it, it's a big mega church. It's global. Um, and I love it because, you know, God really speaks to me through it, but I, I made my own path. I, I made my own choice, regardless of what others thought. Um. I don't follow the people. I I don't I don't really care about their opinions because I lead my life the way God wants me to lead it. Lead it. And that's what really matters to me. So I feel like I've done what God wants me to do. And if other people don't like it, well, that's kind of expected. <laughs> um, but I'm sorry, I don't live my life to please you anymore. Um, I'm doing what's right according to what God tells me to do. And, um, going out here with the ministry and helping others find their way of peace and love and
2: truth and happiness and justice, you know, really hard journey. When you experience something traumatic, especially as a child, when you go through something, it can be a really hard journey to get back to spirituality because you're so angry with the universe for allowing these things to happen to you. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about whichever religion you believe in, when you start thinking about it, you expect that your belief system is going to keep you safe. Right. And it didn't, it, it let you down. You, you, And so there's a lot of anger as in how could you allow this to happen to me? How could you allow me to get into this situation? And so there's there's an element of learning to forgive on a spiritual level also Mm -hmm. the universe, a higher power for allowing you to go through those things. And you have to find that element of faith to say, sorry, you have to find that element of faith to be able to say, yes, this happened to me. But I'm still going to have this faith. I'm still going to allow myself to be a spiritual being. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and that's
1: and that's where I'm at now. I've I've had experiences and ventured different types of religions, different types of spirituality practices, and I've observed. And I'm still learning. There's a whole lot more out there, um, and I'm open to learning why people believe what they believe, and if their life is worth living then maybe I should pay attention.
0: Yeah. I love uh I um. love studying all forms of religion and spirituality because I think you do learn a lot about uh individuals, cultures, you learn a lot about um just mm-hmm. like the triumph of man. Like you think about it like empires have been built and destroyed over our belief systems. You know, uh, love in love mm-hmm. religion. That's about it. Love and religion are the cause Uh of, like, a lot of our greatest atrocities, but also of our greatest triumphs. And I think it's important to recognize that. Like, you know, yeah, I think it's really easy to say, like, you know, all wars are fought over this or that. Like, well, no, like, there's a lot of good that comes from it, too. And, you know, I look at things from, you know, a, you know, there's there's scriptural, you know, religion. There's historical, you know, accuracy. Mm -hmm. And then there's just this innate connection that we have with our soul, the universe mm-hmm. and energy. And, and, and hopefully through the course of people's lives, they find a way to interweave all of those into some form of belief. Because I think, and, and we talk about it a lot, it's fundamental to becoming a true warrior. You have to tap into your spirituality. And really yep. that is a relationship on a soulful level Understanding Mm -hmm. that there is a greater power. I'm not the person to tell you who to believe in. That is a very personal journey. But Mm -hmm. I will advocate that we should explore constantly explore what that means to us because that is a part of our lives that'll always be interwoven into everything that we do. And if you want to, you know, praise some deity or you know have some totem that 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 does it for you. I don't have to agree with you to, to 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 not be able to at least recognize that that's your path, and if that gives you the fulfillment and it answers the questions for you, um, that's all right. That's that's good with me. Like I don't need right. to. Uh, and there was a point in my life where I felt the need to take the evangelical approach to, you know, to convert and to, 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 mm-hmm. to, to almost condemn. And I realized if condemnation is a part of my belief system, then that's probably not a belief that I want to be a part of. And so right. uh, my, my, my belief system is very much in conjunction with, you know, recognizing that I have a creator recognizing that I have an individualized relationship and then I walk my path in a way that I feel like I'm doing that, you know, belief justice.
2: I could have easily, I could have easily spent my whole life studying theology. I think that it is one of the most interesting topics, but what I have learned through, and I'm sure uh, Mike and Jennifer will agree, is that at the base level of every religion we want the same thing right to serve mm-hmm. and to love one another to and i think that like mike i might not agree with you i'm not a christian i might not agree with where your belief system comes from but i understand that we need to respect each other we yeah. don't have yeah. to we don't have to agree with each other but at the at the very bottom of every belief system is we want to love one another and we want to mm-hmm. show grace to one another. And I think that that is the important thing. And kind of like Mike said, for me, any religion that forces you to hate someone or consider someone evil, or like you said, condemn someone, that's not a system that I want to be a part of. Right.
1: Nope. Because even when you,
2: even when it, with theology, and you go
1: back and research the text and the scriptures, um, jesus didn't come to condemn no no, no. so why should we like that's not a good thing love is the ultimate goal and and if you look at all the religions and belief systems they also all have a belief that there is a higher being absolutely it's called we just call it different things exactly and so i think it's like it's like a it's like a word in the dictionary That changes its definition every decade.
2: (laughs) (laughs) For me, what I always think to myself is we're all on a different path going to the same place. So why are we arguing about it? Exactly, Because we all we all
1: have a different journey, different purpose. Right. the, The same goal is to be with each other, to help each other. We all have different gifts and talents. And if we're not in tune with ourselves and our own spirituality, we're not going to know what we're here for. Um, it, all,
2: it all goes back to, um, I'll take it back to business for a second, that I used to be afraid of offering people my help because I would think that they would think I was being salesy or trying to push stuff on them. But what I discovered in business is true in life, and that is someone out there needs what you have. Doesn't have to be business related. It could be someone out there needs to hear your story. Someone out there needs to know what you've been through because that is going to be a value to them. Yeah.
0: And I'll take that a step further. I recently heard this perspective and it changed the way I think about it. You not sharing that is actually the most selfish thing that you can do. And I'm not saying that Michael to Shannon or Michael to anyone. It's If you have a skill set, if you have a story, if you are, if you're afraid of like, well, I'm putting myself out there, it's a selfish act to not share it because you are being equipped with a gift. And and that is no different from religious structure to putting a light under a lamp. You are hiding it from the world and you need to just glow. And if if you're hiding that, that is no different than allowing people to go through persecution or going through the hardships they're going through when you have the gift that can give them the solution. The reason why I bring up Mm -hmm. spirituality the way that I brought it up is I think to ignore that there is a fundamental part of spirituality that helps with things like mental health, now, I don't think we can whitewash mental health away and pray it away or anything like that. Yeah. I don't think it's that simple. And to do that, I think would be a little bit naive, but I think we've all been in some environment of a church structure or know somebody, you know, to where that's the approach, right? We're bringing things taboo to light now in in, in 2020s, in, in 2022 that, you know, I think it's okay to be like, yeah, there was a time in life where I, I, I went to our church and we're like, you pray it away. Oh, they, they've got the depression. They've got that depression. They've caught the depression. We've got to pray it away. Like, and you know exactly what I say when I say that. That's not what I mean by spirituality plays a role in our mental health group. When we have a relationship with, with a being beyond or or really the relationship with ourselves on a level of understanding our soul, like we are not the voice in our head kind of level. Mm-hmm. Then we recognize that we are really connected in a way beyond just our rational thought and and what we understand. We can only like perceive what we can comprehend when we believe and Mm -hmm. understand. And that's where faith comes in. We have this faith that there is something beyond our understanding, our logic. You know, that's like saying, uh, I could rationally understand the depth of our universe an ever expanding, ever growing, ever continuing universe. And that's like me saying, oh yeah, I know what the end looks like because it looks like the beginning and knowing that it being a cycle. It'd be impossible. And for me to try yeah. to rationalize that, what we need is to understand that there is what I call that destination unknown. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that part of going somewhere on that path, don't know where I'm going, but I know where I'm going is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and, and then when we have that, that invites things like boundaries and grace and self-love and shifting our mindset, which are all things that are required to not only heal from a place Mm -hmm. of, you know, our heart being healed and forgiving and developing the life that we want and, and really attacking things like mental health. You know, there's no way in, in, there's no way in hell that I could have, been able to even approach dealing with my PTSD if I was not fully prepared to recognize that there are things beyond me mm-hmm. you know like cuz i think that that's the thing right when we are dealing with mental health we are saying i'm the only person with this problem i'm the person dealing with this and and it's not I'm not I'm not saying that to a place of like condemning or or victim blaming right. by any means, but that's the mindset we get in, right? We're the yeah. only person that is dealing with this struggle. So how can anybody help us? We are the only person who uh, is dealing with this level of pain because our thought to be able to believe anything other than that, sometimes we just frankly don't have the energy to believe. And that's okay. Exactly. And that is okay. It is okay to be not okay. And that, and Mm -hmm. if if anything else that people get from this, it's give yourself some grace and recognize like it is all right to be a mess, fall apart, sit in your mess. And and then the goal is like, you know, just don't unpack and live there. But like there's times in your life where you're like, yeah, no, stuff's not right. But by being able to recognize that there is more there's, there's, there's life on the other side, there's opportunity, there's growth. Um, I think that the importance, and I've been talking about this a lot throughout all of May is we need to normalize asking for help because that is where it starts. We need to mm-hmm. build our support team. We need to find people that because we can only do so much of ourselves. And this is a very solo path journey, mental health. And that's the, that's the side. It is your mental health, but mental health care is health care. Yep. It is no different than any other doctor, it's no different than any other need that you have. And I by providing ourselves the, with that support is vital.
2: I think that at a, at the base of a lot of issues that we go through, alcoholism, um drug addiction, any type of addiction is a mental health component. And so I feel like when we start try- when we start talking about how to end addiction, how to um, end these addictions that people have, we don't look at mental health enough. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you that my therapist has told me, and you guys probably understand as well, when you have anxiety, when you have stress, when you have depression, these things change your physical characteristics. When you are depressed, you are exhausted your body is exhausted, your, your mental state is affecting your physical being, and so we don't talk enough about how mental health is the root cause of so many things, stress, um, anxiety, both of those have a very well-documented effect on your physical health.
1: So that brings me
2: to the book uh, that I've yeah, That's it'll right. definitely
1: change it. It'll definitely change your physique. The um, Mind-body connection. Um, there's, se- there's several books out there. Uh, one is by Deb Shapiro. Um, your body speaks your mind. So if you've got an element, you can look in the index and go to the page that it tells you to go to. And it'll tell you what's going on with your mind, your state of mind. It's connected. It's all connected. And even the spirituality is connected. The soul. We are spirit beings in a human form. Here, I say that all with the time. Purpose, here with a purpose to help others. We're not here for ourselves. And, and going back to the whole um, holding your lamp under, your light under the table or whatever. Withholding that from people that are around you. We're, we're all called to a certain people group, um, and if we don't share that, then that is also keeping that group of people in their bondage, yep. Yep. it's delaying their blessing mm-hmm. and their healing, and the spirit in the body, um. I've got a big knack for always being in the right place at the right time. (laughs) And uh, I'm a firm believer in divine appointments with divine connections. um, And I can tell I'm very in tune with myself now where I used to not be um, because I've put myself under the mental training. Everything starts in the mind. And it is connected to our body and spirit. But as a warrior. As a spiritual warrior in a human form. Now, humanly speaking, flesh speaking, somebody could really kick my ass and do some damage. <laughs> um, spiritually and mentally, I am strong. And other people, when they come into my presence, they know that. Um, It's because I've gone through the trainings. I have re- framed, retrained, reprogrammed my automatic responses. I have learned my triggers. I've learned my deep-rooted core belief systems, which is everything. It's your core belief that drives your thoughts and actions and feelings. So if you're acting a certain way, you feel a certain way and you wonder why, go find out what that core belief is behind it. And this is what I tackle. I get to the root and foundation of people in their minds because that's where it all begins. A warrior is like you said too, Michael, seeks help.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: Um, If you think of a battlefield of soldiers in a war, like, I mean, we got one going on right now, right? Um, Some soldiers, warriors will quit and they'll just die right there. Others will rise no matter how they feel, no matter how damaged they're, they're hurt. They'll keep going. But they don't do it alone. And they will encourage and empower other soldiers to get back up because they recognize that they're not in this alone. So they are never afraid to ask for help. Warriors also know their worth and value. And they train themselves up in this. They know their strengths and weaknesses mentally, physically, and spiritually. They're always in tune with themselves. They also know when to rest. Yes. Yeah, that's they know how to take care of themselves mentally, physically, and spiritually. And because of all of those combined, they know how to get through each battle that comes their way. Even in the unknown periods. And it's the unknown that really tests us. It tests our strength mentally. It tests our patience, our perseverance, our endurance, everything about our inner character. But in that state of unknown, because the brain and the body has never gone through that experience, fear rises. But you got to fight against that too, and you got to choose to say, like in your in the middle of the battlefield, you've got a warrior soldier who's gone into new territory, never been there, never seen it, doesn't know what to expect. He's as afraid he's afraid as hell, but he's not quitting because he knows the rewards on the other side. He's focused on the end goal. He's focused on the prize, and he's taken the journey one step at a time. And with each step. He's celebrating those steps because it's those small steps that lead to that victory. yeah, I a warrior think- is is the warrior mindset is you've got to train yourself up in these ways and keep going.
0: I think one of the key things that you're talking about there too, it's 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 not about having an absence of fear. Like yeah. it, it's recognizing that you have the strength. The thing that I hear and the thing that I recognize, it's fear is not absent. But what is absent is shame.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I have no shame behind the decision. I have no shame behind the fact that I know that I am afraid because I am strong.
2: Right. Yeah, and you're how not, we, you're not we, ashamed to be scared.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 fund, I fundamentally believe that how we see ourselves is how we treat ourselves. And how Mm -hmm. we treat ourselves is how we serve others. We serve, like, that's where we serve ourselves. Like, we serve others from the same place of how we treat ourselves. So if we're not treating ourselves properly, we're not serving others in a way that they deserve. That's why self-love is so important. It's vital, and it's not some Mm -hmm. Instagram catchphrase. It is vital to the work that we do because if we want to serve others truly— with intention, with purpose, then we have no business breaking ourselves down to a place as minuscule as the places that we force ourselves to live.
2: Right. That's
0: why I fundamentally know this is my purpose. I have a warrior spirit that I live outward, and my goal is to invite others to do the same and show them that path. Because when we do, it is the ultimate way of living in purpose. It is the ultimate way mm-hmm. to serve others because the strength shows. I don't need armor because I know the strength is in there to, to go to battle when I need to. But it's the peace of knowing that the strength is there that I can navigate the times that a battle's not even on the horizon.
1: Yep. And so I think from this point, how do we get people from the victim mentality, the victimhood, from their trauma? To the warrior mentality. Yeah. And it starts with self-love. Absolutely.
0: Uh, so I, I talked about this last week and I have a three-step system of going, because I think that this is a, a system that everybody needs to do before they even start the transition. The first is recognizing that you were a victim. Yep. I th- that I mean, it's just, it's you go to AA, what's the first thing they say? You know, you Mm -hmm. have to admit that you have a problem and and recognizing that there is a need for growth. You have to recognize. So first, you have to recognize that you were indeed a victim. Caveat to that is recognizing that you were a victim without taking residence in victimhood. Exactly. You know, like you don't need to be a victim. You don't need to be a martyr. Just recognize it. Acknowledge it without trying to fix it. The next step is the process of education, recognizing Mm -hmm. Finding the resources and the tools so that you can come to terms with and and do the things like forgive and start the path of self-discovery. And then through that, the third and final process of enlightenment in this sense is starting to recognize the strengths that you already withhold in yourself that are present. So recognizing that the strengths that you're seeking are already present in you, and then in that process of transformation, you start honing those skills through developing the mindset, recognizing Mm -hmm. the strengths and your gifts, understanding and strengthening your belief system of your spirituality and letting your soul ignite, and then sharing that with the world, invigorating your life with the adventure that it is, and then becoming visible, and being vulnerable and allowing through that visible vulnerability to share your story, be seen. And that is ultimately how we deliver impact.
1: And I want to add one thing to this whole process of renewal. There's also a requirement of shedding the old. Yep. Yep. When you shed the old part of you, your old thoughts, your old beliefs, even your old environment. You will go through a sadness and a grief process. Yep. And so it's critical that when you grow into the warrior mindset, to have help by your side, trusted help by your side. Yep. Those who have been there, done that, experienced it, are true, truly compassionate and understanding with you and not just there for you to dump on their shoulder and then they go away and not really care about you. Yeah. And don't you don't rec- it doesn't require 10 people, you can have 3 trusted sources yeah. to help you on this journey. And actually I would probably say that in my opinion that would be the minimum requirement, 3 to help you on your journey to recovery, healing, and into that warrior mindset, because it's not going to be easy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I often say the cost for the life you want is the life you had.
1: Yep. you got to be willing to give up that life yep. and everything attached to it. Absolutely.
0: I think that's a perfect transition to our hot seat. Mm-hmm. So we will go into uh, our, our three questions that we ask all of our guests uh, really, this is an opportunity for us to to lean on our other voices that, that we bring on the show to define what it means to be a warrior. And so the first is how do you define what it means to be a warrior?
1: And, you know, I wrote these answers down. I don't know where they're at right now. Uh, <laughs> how do I define what it means to be a warrior? I feel like I already did answer that. Um, but the key thing for me would be just to keep going and not give up. No matter how how afraid you are, no matter how much it might hurt. I mean, if you think of the the birthing process, that's a battle and it's painful. And you can't stop going in labor (laughs) i mean that baby's got to come out (laughs) so you keep pushing no matter what and you don't listen to the outsiders especially those that are trying to bring you down or keep you back into your old life Mm -hmm. but um yeah defining a warrior is not giving up and keep going
0: And we just spent over an hour of prime examples, but for yourself, maybe uh, how would you say that you have demonstrated that in your life? What is like a moment of uh, pride for you? Like, like boast on yourself a little bit, how you have demonstrated not giving up that you recognize.
1: So I would have to say with regards to both of my marriages, and leaving those relationships, the first one was physical with a threat of death, and I did it anyway. Um, the second one, I was I was actually afraid uh, in the moment because I had limited time to get out, and I wanted to make sure I had everything that you know packed up, um, and I didn't know where I was going. I mean, I did, but I didn't. It, it was a whole new journey from 15 years of a certain lifestyle. Um, certain, be- you know, a set behaviors, set thinking patterns. Um, I, I just got up and left. And, that, and that's, I'm not a material person. I'm not, a, I don't get attached to things. There's Things in this world are replaceable. So yeah. I, I get up and go anyway, because I know they're going to be provided for again and again and again. Um, I've always been provided for not to say that I have riches or an inheritance, you know, I definitely didn't come from fame, you know, (laughs) um, I did come from, um, you know, the low middle class and it was just taking on that courage and that boldness and that bravery, no matter how afraid I was to leave at just getting up and going. Not knowing where I was going, but I figured it out along the way because I trusted the process. Yeah. And I'd made the best decisions with each step. And I'd held no shame or guilt in my choices.
0: And what is uh, one piece of advice that you could give to someone to live into that
1: definition of being a warrior? I would say it'd be ask for help. Do not be afraid to ask for help.
0: That's key for sure. Wow. We went through uh, a lot. I think that this was a very powerful episode. Anyone that is listening, that is going through any sort of um, major or, or really any sort of life transition, I think you can find value in this. Uh, You know, I think, like we've talked about many times in the past, trauma is, uh, in a lot of ways, inevitable. You know, there, there are these life stressors that are these things. It's a matter of equipping ourselves with the right ways to navigate them in the most healthy of ways. Um, and that's why, uh, we, we're so blessed to be able to have so many voices that just break this down in a way that navigates people. So thank you so much for being on. Uh, one of the things that we like to do at the end of all of our episodes, uh, you'll have a chance here in a minute to to talk about how people can work with you and, and where they can find you, but um, is to leave some space for you to maybe talk about things that you didn't get to talk about. Uh, obviously, in anticipation of you know being on the podcast, there might have been some things that you had in your mind that you want to talk about. And so if we didn't get to talk about it, it didn't come up in natural conversation, we try to save some space. So if there's anything you want to talk about or bring up or uh, mention, that was a great opportunity for you to do that.
1: I feel like I covered everything. <laughs>
0: yeah, we, we definitely went through uh, went through a lot. And I think that it was, uh, it, it it's took a deep just, dive. It's going to make for uh, a great, great opportunity to, to serve others in this, you know, using this platform. So, speaking of that, how can people find you? How can
1: people work with you? So, my website's my name, jennifertidwell.com. Uh, you can find all my other links on there uh, at the top menu to all my other social media sites and other things. Um, it is a blog site. So I do blogs, um, and the links are tied to other resources. I am venturing out this year to speaking engagements in groups, large groups, ministries, um, shelters, churches, uh, anywhere in the U S. Awesome. So if there's, any group that's listening, a group leader that's listening, and you feel this story would be beneficial to your people, then you can contact me through my website, yep.
0: and, we'll put and the I'll be happy and to yeah. Yeah.
1: and I'll be happy to speak with you and let's let's get a, a date and time and work together and put this mission out, start helping people.
0: Absolutely. So I normally finish uh, our episodes kind of with like a, a final thought, but I think that there's been so much powerful conversation during this. Uh, I want to kind of save that space for you to maybe end us with just a, a final note uh, to, to kind of take us home uh, something, you know, about there's just the transformation of uh, trauma to thriving that, that you've experienced or, or some hope for people that are listening.
1: So because of the trauma of my life and witnessing it from many others, everyone has some kind of trauma. I've learned that the impossible is possible. And what you really want to make happen is up to you, nobody else so true you get to choose your path and journey from this day forward you can stay in the trauma the past the victim mentality or you can choose to move forward and start your healing process and don't be afraid of it and my final word to that regarding fear If you're moving in a direction in your life that you know will bring you good and you immediately start being afraid, you might be going in the right direction. So go after it with courage, bravery. And trust.
0: Hey, Warriors, it's Michael, and I want to thank you for listening to the Warrior of Impact podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to us on your favorite streaming platforms and leave us a five-star review. For more information, check out warriorofimpact.com. If you're thinking about suicide or worried about a friend or a loved one or would like the emotional support, the Crisis Hotline is available 24-7 all across the United States. 1-800-273-8255. Again, if you need the help or someone to talk to, The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is available 24-7. If you are a victim of domestic violence, or if you are in a situation where you do not feel safe, help is available. You can speak with somebody today. The National Domestic Violence Hotline, available 24-7, 1-800-799-7233, or text START to 88788.